No uh, food or drink in there, but pets allowed. That's great television. Apparently. That's right awesome. there. Great television. Very nice. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Still on his feet, plowing forward. We are live at Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. Happy Monday, everyone. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Just because the BYU football season has officially ended doesn't mean we can't go to the well of Maddich Monday at least a few more times. And with that said, we bring in ESPN college football analyst and expert, our favorite college football insider, Trevor Maddich, is back. Trevor, as you look back on the college football season in large part and what BYU did as a Power 5 team now that you've processed it for a week or so, how would you sum up the Cougar season overall and where they stand pushing forward? Losing the last five in a row makes a, a pretty bad emotion. But when you let that emotion dissipate and just kind of look at what happened, I have to give them a C. The reason is that they they won games. They came within one of going to a bowl. If they had won one more, I'd have given them a B. And if they'd have won two more, I'd have given them an A. But they did that without their starting quarterback for the last four games. They did that with epic injuries on the defense at all three levels. They did that with lots of things going wrong and guys trying to compensate for those things going wrong and making new mistakes on top of that in terms of turnovers and other things. And yet they still got to the point where they got five wins in their inaugural season in the Big 12. And I think this team, had they had an even break with injuries, would have surpassed that six-win mark. I think that there are a lot of things you can point out that were really good. And most of the things that, that caused them to drop to five and seven are either incredibly correctable, such as ball security, high and tight, high and tight, and things that they had no real control over, which was those injuries, and they can fix that with recruiting and death. So I would give them, I would give them in the absence of the emotion of that late losing streak, I'd give them a C in their inaugural season. We've asked for BYU to be in a Power 5 for a long time, so we've asked for hard schedules. But I don't know if we asked for the 10th hardest schedule in the country. That's what it ended up being, according to Sagarin. BYU finishes the final four games against number two, three, four, five in the Big 12. Was the schedule even harder than we thought? I think it was, uh, but I think there was an anticipation that it would be a whole lot harder than it has been in the past. BYU has played a lot of Power 5 teams in their independent schedule, but they seem to have a little bit of a break here and there, right? And so they were able to take a breath. There really wasn't much of a break. I mean, Sam Houston was sort of their break. That was the opener. And then Southern Utah, Sam Houston was a, a tough game for them. Southern Utah then, you know, they, they won that game handily, and then bam. Arkansas, and then the Big 12, and it was just relentless after that. And so it still would have been better than it looked and better than it felt had they, again, had an even break with injuries. I don't want to make an excuse there. I know the the players and the coaches will never make an excuse about something like that. It's next man up, and football's a rough game, and every team has injuries. But at the same time, BYU as a new member of a Power 5 conference could afford those injuries less than many others. And still, the way they fought 
for most of this season, I thought was very encouraging. And, and they deserve a lot of credit for that. Trevor, the wild transfer portal officially opens today. And if BYU wants to improve upon the C grade that Professor Maddish has bestowed upon them, they probably need some key additions through the transfer portal. So where are BYU's biggest needs right now from your vantage point? You know, there, there's three big needs. Uh, big guys that can run, big guys that can run, and big guys that can run. <laughs> okay, right? then. And so, yeah, they, they, they need more depth in the front seven so that they can have less attrition, meaning that their, their best players don't have to play as many snaps because you're rotating in guys that are still very, very good in the rotation of depth, and they're playing like crazy. And think of it like a hockey game where guys will play for a few minutes, everything they can do, 100% effort, and then, bam, they'll swap them out. If those guys get to rest and the fresh guys come in, 100% effort. That's what a, a defensive line needs to look like in a Power 5 conference. And that second unit that comes rolling in needs to be almost as good as the first unit. And the linebacking core needs to be able to, to deal with injuries as well and have more guys that can step up at, at a high level. So I would start there, the front seven, big guys that can run. Then on the offensive line, big guys that can run. The offensive line has been a disappointment for several years now. And, you know, you, you've – you've uh, they're making a change at offensive line coach. I think that uh, that change is something that will probably help. And I think they need to add competition to that position group so that whoever the new coach is has uh, the ability to hit the ground running. Those are the two places I would really focus on. Then if something drops into their lap, great. If they get a quarterback that drops into their lap that can, that can run and throw, you want a guy ideally that's a dual threat, then sure, if he wants to come, bring him in, that kind of a thing. But I wouldn't necessarily go out and break the NIL bank to bring in a quarterback, especially if it's a one-year kind of a thing. Uh, I, I would be thinking if I'm BYU on developing high school recruits and then filling in the gaps with those – um, transfer portal guys and I, I think patience is important and I think they have a plan and as long as they stick to the plan I think they'll be okay certainly Aiden Robbins will uh, you know if he comes back that will change some things uh, or not change anything if he leaves BYU certainly I think would need a running back do you feel like BYU needs a quarterback you said don't break the NIL bank but does BYU need a veteran perhaps power five transfer quarterback to compete with Jake Retzoff well, they, the answer to that is always improve competition. Jake Retzloff, though, you know, he started the last, what was it, four games, and he balled out. He did. He made some mistakes. He missed some opportunities, but he was thrown into a very difficult situation, and he balled out. Now, will he be an outstanding Big 12 quarterback going forward? I don't know yet, but I'm, I'm very encouraged. Still, the guy's already on the roster, and anybody that comes in from um, – the transfer portal um, would need to have good competition, which you don't want at any position if you're any team, but especially if you're a new team in the in the Power Five. You don't want to have any position group be complacent at the starter level. You want everybody to be thinking that if I don't perform at a high level in practice every drill every day, that guy behind me could take playing time from me. And if you don't have that, you'll never maximize what you can do on the field with the starters, much less the depth. And so I'd be happy for them to, to bring in quarterbacks to, to compete. 
but I, I wouldn't want to go out there and spend too much of the NIL budget unless just some amazing quarterback drops into their lap. As of now, you look around at the quarterback landscape, there's kind of a lot of quarterbacks in the portal. And so it's kind of a, a buyer's market in some ways uh, from that standpoint, if they can find a guy that's a good fit at BYU and a good fit for their offense. ESPN College Football Insider and Analyst Trevor Maddich is back on BYU Sports Nation for another Maddich Monday. This is a speculative idea at this point, Trevor, speaking of the offensive line coach and the vacancy there, but let's just say it is Jeff Grimes who leaves Baylor and was fired as the offensive coordinator but ends up back in Provo again. How would you feel about the fit of Jeff Grimes if he did take over the offensive line position once again at BYU? It would be a wish list, wouldn't it? Uh, he is, he's a proven offensive line coach. He is a coordinator also. Now, he wouldn't be a coordinator here. But having that kind of experience and that sort of 30,000-foot view of the offensive line's role in what Aaron Roderick wants to do as the offensive coordinator, and and who knows what they might do with a run game coordinator. I, I don't know how they would put it together. The point is that the best coaching staffs tend to have guys that have coordinator experience, even if they're not a coordinator, and head coaching experience as well, who are all able to work together and not be in competition with one another because they want to take over this, that, or the other role from somebody else who's already there. If guys can work together, then head coaching experience, coordinator experience is huge. Just from a standpoint of the offensive line, Jeff Grimes is an old-school tough guy, and he's coached at some old-school tough guy schools, and I think he would immediately make the offensive line better. I want you to think of it this way. Uh, I, I'm reluctant to say, hey, the way we used to do it is X, Y, Z. But the way we used to do it was the right way to do it. Roger French and Mel Olson, as a combined offensive line coaching staff, were the best teachers of football that I've ever been around. And I played 12 years in the NFL. Wow. We, we, we were so good at the techniques of offensive line play. You know, you look at pass blocking, our feet were phenomenal. Our hands were incredibly accurate and violent. Guys would try to get off of us and get to our edge. No way, man. We would slide and extend. We would we would square up and lock out every time. And they just almost cried. They were so frustrated by the end of the game. And it was because the way we were taught and what we were taught maximized everything we could do. In college football, you don't see that as much anymore, even in the NFL. You know, you'll see a lot of up-tempo practice where they coach technique off the film in the meeting room, right? Jeff Grimes is the kind of guy that give it a chance. He knows what to do, and he knows how to teach it. And that alone is going to make this offensive line a whole lot better. Okay, let's talk about uh, what was actually trending in college football, uh, especially yesterday, which was the four-team playoff was announced. Of course, this goes to 12 next year. Yes, uh, Next year on – Yesterday's date, it won't be as compelling as it was yesterday. It'll be who got the buys and who gets in at 10, 11, 12, or whatever. But Michigan at one, Washington at two, Texas at three, Alabama at four. Florida State left out. Where do you stand on the Florida State should have been in or not conversation? The committee had no way to make a right or a wrong decision at that number four spot because they had a crowd of people that had very good arguments to be in that number four spot. Florida State had a great argument. They were an undefeated Power 5 champion. They had to play the last two games, two really tricky, difficult games, with their backup quarterback and then their third-string freshman quarterback in the ACC championship game, and they found a way to win them anyway. You know, that's what a great team does. And they have a good point there. Here's what the committee said. The committee was thinking that, okay, that's a good point, but look at Alabama. 
Alabama just became a one-loss SEC champion and just beat the team that we, the committee, had number one for three consecutive weeks as their last data point at the end of the season. Then you've got Texas, who's a one-loss Big 12 champion, who beat the SEC champion, right? And so they should be in, too. Well, so now then you got Georgia, who was previously the number one team, lost Alabama by three points, and you can still say that they are one of the four best teams in the country, and they probably are. So now you got a whole big crowd of people to get into those last two spots. I think what the committee said was that de- deserving is not part of their lexicon. They've actually stated that. They want the four best teams, and injury is one of the things they need to factor into who the four best teams are. And when Florida State lost their Heisman candidate quarterback, Jordan Travis, to injury uh, with with you know two games to go, he that fundamentally changed the nature of the Florida State offense. They went from being super good to being Iowa, essentially, hmm. and uh, an elite defense and an offense that was suspect. And in the Florida game with their backup quarterback, the passing game performed very poorly against a, a Florida defense that wasn't very good against the pass. And then in the championship game against Louisville, their third-string freshman quarterback couldn't get it done. They just put a running back back there and ran wildcat a lot of the time, but they still found a way to win. But the committee looked at that and said this Florida State team, as constituted, is not one of the best four teams in the nation. And that's reasonable as well. No matter what the committee did, they were going to exclude a couple of teams that had really good cases to be in that spot. So they went with what their their criteria is, which is to say, who's the best four right now? A win-lose situation (laughs) by the very definition, no matter what the committee did. Great insight, Trevor. We appreciate the time, as always. And uh, here's to more big men that can run for BYU. Yeah, how about that? I like that. Let's hope they get some. (laughs) All right, Trevor, thanks so much. Okay. The college football insider on BYU Sports Nation, Trevor Maddich, back at it. Women's hoops, uh, hey, 6-0, and then last week, a couple of losses, trying to get back on the winning ways. Tomorrow, earlier game, 5 Eastern time against Utah State on Big 12 Now on ESPN Plus and BYU Radio. Also on the way, does Zach Wilson deserve an apology? Because the New York Jets offense remains just abysmal. Are they so bad that you want to see Zach back under center again? This is BYU Sports Nation. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content like who wore it best between the two of us. There's a vote right now. Uh, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio You were B. winning last time I looked. Fashion show, fashion show, fashion show at lunch. <laughs> I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's Wait, roll hold on, out. hold on, hold on. Uh, not a ton of votes, but you're winning 50.7% to 49.4%. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let's roll out your Monday headlines. College football transfer portal is open officially until January 2nd. Who leaves? Who's coming to Provo? We'll see. Also, Tyler Batty announced yesterday he is returning for his final season of eligibility. That's great news. Receiver Dom Henry announced he is entering the portal. Henry uh, redshirted in 2022, played 11 snaps this season. 
On to Cougars in the NFL, led by Puka Nakua. Had four catches, 105 yards receiving, and a touchdown on a sprint for the Rams and a 36-19 win over the Browns. Puka has become the first ever former BYU wide receiver to have 1,000 yards receiving in an NFL season. That's Incredible. Awesome. He also broke the Rams' rookie receiving record in Sunday's win. Sony Takitaki. On the other side, had four tackles for the Browns. Fred Warner had four tackles for the 49ers in a romp of the Philadelphia Eagles, 42-19. Yeah, Taysom Hill for the Saints had 59 yards rushing and a touchdown, 15 yards receiving. And Jamal Williams had 10 yards rushing and six yards receiving for the Saints in a 33-28 loss to the Lions. Let's not forget Tyler Algier, who had 26 yards rushing for the Falcons in a 13-8 win over Zach Wilson's New York Jets. Compelling and rich. Isaiah Kapusi wins that game. Women's soccer lost 2-0 to Stanford Friday in the College Cup semifinals. The Cardinals scored both goals in the first four minutes. <sighs> you responded with a goal late in the first half. Should have counted! That was called offside with much controversy. Cougars went 23-3 in their first year in the Big 12 and a second College Cup in three years. Excellent season. Amazing season. BYU women's volleyball. Losing to Arizona State in the second round of the NCAA tournament in three sets. Cougars swept Weber State on Friday night, but unable to advance past the five-seed Sun Devils. Aaron Livingston led the Cougars with 10 kills, eight digs, and Whitney Bauer added five kills, 28 assists, seven digs, and two blocks in that effort. BYU ends the season with a record of 25-7. and seven. Remarkable run, the women's sports at BYU ready to go in the Big 12. Number 19 men's basketball beat Fresno State 85-56 Friday to improve to 8-0 on the season, led by another career high, 24 points from Jackson Robinson, 6 of 8 from 3. Spencer Johnson's best game as a Cougar was also in this, career high 22 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, he had some unbelievable plays. Cougars host Evansville tomorrow night pregame at 8 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. The first net ranking of the season is out. The primary metric and sorting tool the committee uses to determine NCAA tournament at-large teams and seeding. BYU's number two! Woo! Can you believe it? Also, the AP poll comes out today. We expect BYU to move up from 19 a couple of spots at least. So we'll see what it is. Unbelievable. Let's go. BYU women's basketball. Losing to 12th ranked Utah on Saturday night in Salt Lake City, 87-68. The Utes are really, really good. Lauren Gustin and Kaylee Wilson each scoring 17 points to lead BYU. Cougars fall to 6-2 on the season. They play Utah State at home tomorrow. The first women's net rankings have also been released as of this morning. BYU in at number 71. Men and women's track and field had athletes compete at the Sharon Collier Danville season opener at Boston University Saturday. Seven women from BYU posted top 10 indoor marks in program history, led by Megan Hunter, who has an incredible story. Won the 800 with the fifth best time in program history at 203.54. Joe Lighthall finished fourth in the 800, more on him in a moment. And James Corrigan ran the sixth best time in program history in the 5,000. Nicely done. BYU swimmer Brad Prolo has punched his ticket Prolo. to the 2024 U.S. Olympic Trials in the men's 200 fly final at the U.S. Open on Saturday. Prolo will now vie for a spot in Paris at the United States Swimming Olympic Trials June 15th through the 23rd at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, Indiana. Well done, Brad, and good luck. Those are today's headlines. Now some opinions in the whip. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. 
Jets beat writer for The Athletic, Zach Rosenblatt, posted this this morning. I get the sense the Jets are considering playing Zach Wilson again this season. The plan was to sit him the rest of the way, but the QB play has gotten worse without him. Wouldn't be surprising if Wilson started or was number two this week. Do you want Zach Wilson to play another snap for the Jets? No, I don't. Why, why would anybody want him to run back into the toxicity that is the New York Jets organization right now? Like they have designated him as, you're not the guy anymore. So what, to what end? He comes in and maybe the offense gets a little bit better. Like, what does this magically make the offensive line better? No, no. I don't see how him playing could improve his stock much because the team isn't good. And why would Aaron Rodgers come back to this team, by the way? Uh, no, I, I think uh, he's probably better off not getting hurt. And then uh, I think his con is his contract situation such that he could become a free agent after this year, or does he have one more year? I can't remember. I think he has this one was more year. Yeah. 21, 22, 22. I think it was one more he's year. He's got one more year. Uh, he's got, he's, yeah, he's got to sit behind and be in this garbage. And then he could uh, and then he could bounce somewhere else and be a backup and try and Listen, get Listen, if he's the backup, if Trevor Simeon comes in and gets injured or whatever and they need Zach to like go in and be the backup, fine. But I, I don't want him to start. No. No. All right, on to women's volleyball. Just went through their tough second round loss at home to Arizona State. Yeah. Are you just straight up disappointed they couldn't get to the Sweet 16? Yeah, yeah. When you're, when you're at home, uh, the expectation is that you win. And uh, BYU certainly didn't play very well against Arizona yes. State. Served BYU out. I, that's the, Honestly, that's the most bummed I've ever been walking out of that gym after calling games for 15 years, men and women. Mainly because it was the end of the Whitney Bauer era. Yeah. We've just sat here for five years and watched BYU play really well. She's been a special player for the Cougars. And now it's over. She came as a 17-year-old. She's 22 now. 111 wins, six in the NCAA tournament. She is an all-timer. Yes. And that was a special group of seniors. So, yeah, bum they couldn't uh, win one more. Disappointing. And but I'm good with year. you. Like, BYU yeah. is a better team than they showed against Arizona State. Yeah. They are. And the Sun Devils served the heck out of the ball. Mm -hmm. But BYU is a better team than they showed on Saturday. And yeah. so that's tough to, to deal really with. Really good season. But uh, the standard Sweet 16 for this group. Yes. Okay. Uh, after women's soccer 2 a loss to Stanford, was BYU really playing with house money? Or are you also bummed about that? It's always disappointing when you get so close to potentially winning the first ever national championship in program history. But I said it and I'm going to stand by it. Like BYU doing what they did against North Carolina and getting to a second college cup in three years, to me, I thought that was just, it was unbelievable. Um, they've accomplished so much. This team has nothing to hang their head about. No. Because, especially the seniors who have been to two college cups in three years and been to a national championship game. And, Boston PKs were crying out loud two years ago. No, I, I'm, it's it's it stinks that the officiating was not great and they took away a goal could have changed the whole dynamic of the game and yeah. the approach. Yeah, but no, this team like they're incredible. Like well done, women. It was going to be hard to come down from that high. That was all time high. It was really hard to move on from that because yeah. all week they were told how awesome that was and they should have been. It was amazing. If the 1980 Miracle Ball team had to play a game the next week. I'm not sure they could have performed at the same level either because it's just so hard to come down from that. So, yeah, of course, they're going to be disappointed they didn't win a natty sure. in, in two chances. Um, technically, that was their first loss in the College Cup because they tied two times. Oh, it's true. Right? But, uh, yeah, going down early, that was tough to overcome. Amazing season, amazing journey uh, for soccer and volleyball, frankly. And uh, congrats. They win so much. <laughs> it is fun to cover those teams. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely teams that advance in the NCAA tournament every year. Yeah. 
Okay, men and women's track and field freshman runner Joe Lighthall placed fourth in the 800 this week. After the race, he said, quote, I threw up in the warmups because of how nervous I was, but I started singing the fight song and I was locked in and ready to go. Is the fight song an anti-nausea tactic that you use? Uh, no. <laughs> but I can tell you this much, if I ever do feel nauseous again, if it worked for Joe, I, I might just try that. That made me laugh. Joe, nicely done. Whatever you need to. That's awesome. I love that he's saying the fight song in that way. That's great. Hey, BYU Basketball's Mark Pope is coming up Thursday night, 8.30 Eastern. The Mapleton 33rd Ward Young Men will be there. I know that. Go. On BYU TV and ESPN+. Plus. BYU Men's Hoops rocking right now. A few more of your Mailbag Monday questions after the break. You ask, we answer. Whatever you want to talk about, this is BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Yo, follow BYU Sports Nation on social media if you'd like. Uh, content throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. How about some headlines? The Deseret News reports BYU football is, quote, zeroing in, end quote, on former BYU and Baylor offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes to fill one of the open positions on the offensive staff. And Soul J, don't call me Bull J Mayaba has entered the transfer portal. I saw him at the uh, movie theater the other day with uh, one of his kids. It's good. Uh, marking the fourth player to announce he is entering the portal. Zach Wilson is back in the news again. Multiple New York Jets beat writers reported that the Jets want to make a switch at QB and are indeed leaning towards Zach Wilson again. But these reports say Wilson is reluctant to step back in. Jets head coach Robert Sala told the media yesterday he isn't ready to name a quarterback and shot down the notion that Wilson doesn't want to play, saying, quote, if he was reluctant to play, he wouldn't be here, end quote. Amen. In other Cougars in the NFL news, Rams wide receiver Puka Nakua is dealing with an AC joint sprain, according uh -oh. to Rams head coach Sean McVay, but is expected to play through it because he's Puka. It's what he does. It's what he did last year. Yes. Just 444 yards away from breaking the all-time rookie receiving record for a season held by one Jamar Chase. Amazing. Men's basketball hosts Evansville tonight, 9 Eastern on Big 12 Now on ESPN Plus and BYU Radio. Pre-game on BYU TV, BYU Radio. 8 Eastern time. You can watch Spencer Linton do his third show of the day there. <laughs> BYU moved up five spots in yesterday's AP poll to number 14 after a 7-0 start. BYU remains number two in the net, number eight in Kempom. And this just in, Joe Lenardi has BYU as a... Four seed a in four bracketology. Seed. This is fun. A four seed. Love it. BYU women's basketball. Just talked about it a few minutes ago. Host Utah State today at the Marriott Center. The Cougars coming off back-to-back -back road losses at Wyoming and at Utah. Ooh. They'll host again the three and four Aggies as a huge favorite. BYU 40 and four all time against Utah State. They've won five straight against the Aggies. Coverage begins at 5 Eastern, Big 12 now on ESPN Plus and live on BYU Radio. The ABCA All-Region Awards are out. Four Cougars made the Southwest Region first team. Never thought about BYU in the Southwest, but here we are. Whitney Bauer, Kamila Hiapo, Aaron Livingston, and Whitney McEwen-Larinus. Those are three of the four seniors uh, without eligibility anymore. So good job, Cougs. Former Cougar players and coaches Jason Watson at Arkansas, Rob Nielsen at Utah State were the South and Pacific North Region Coaches of the Year. Have you thought about Utah State in the Pacific North? Well, how's BYU in the Southwest and Utah State is because, like an hour and a half away and they're in the Pacific because North? Because Big 12. <laughs> 
The United States women's national soccer team plays China tonight in Frisco, Texas. We'll see if Ashley Hatch makes that game day roster and keep you updated. Those are today's headlines. Now some opinions in the whip. The Cougar Whip Ramp presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. You're calling the game. What's the key for women's hoops to bounce back against Utah State after two losses last week? Get back to good old-fashioned defense. And here's why. Utah State your is expertise. the youngest team in the entire country in NCAA women's basketball. 12 new players. You ramp up defensive pressure on your home floor like BYU can do today, and which they have shown to do in the Marriott Center this season. Three-pointers start to fall a little bit more, and the pressure really mounts on a young team that's got a lot of moving parts. So defensive pressure is where this team is founded under Amber Whiting. BYU's fifth worst in the country in forcing turnovers, so hopefully they get better at that. But what BYU does really well is shoot three, as I said. They shoot it 43.5%, fourth in D1. Buckets. Yes. Are you buying the reports that we just discussed surrounding Zach Wilson as reluctant to step back in as the Jets' starting quarterback? The cake song, maybe it's reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Yeah. yeah. Engines pacing and thumping in time. Yeah. The green light flashes, <laughs> the flags go up, yearning and churning. They burn for the cup. They. No. Should I keep going? No. Okay. It, it, I don't know. I just love that song. Zach Wilson, I could, I could understand if he actually was. Because it's like, well, what favors have you guys done me here? <laughs> All you've done is not protect me, crapped on me when I didn't yeah. do it, blamed me in the media. So if I was Zach, part of me thinks no, but you don't want to be seen as a guy that doesn't want to help his team out or do what he's asked when he's asked it. So this is a difficult situation to be in. If I was Zach, like real Zach, I would be like, heck no, I don't want to play for this team the rest of the year, get me out of here. But you don't want to be that kind of teammate, and I don't think that Zach is. I think that he'll, if they ask him, step back in. But it's a weird spot to be in because they have done him no favors. What is reluctance to? Like, are we judging this based on, like, an immediate reaction? Maybe initially when he heard he was like, eh, I don't know. But then he could have changed his mind two minutes later. Yeah, good point. But everybody's throwing in like, oh, yeah, I can't believe you were like, yes. I would love to go out and play after you benched me again. Play with this crap And you show. deactivated yeah. me on the roster again. Yeah. Come You've on. You humiliated me. Why Why do I owe you You have made him this. the scapegoat. Hang him? And listen, whether it's deserved or not, the franchise has gone all in on using Zach as the scapegoat for the failures of the team. Like, that has happened. They They doubled down on that when they deactivated him and made him the third string quarterback. And it's been worse actually without him. So if he says, eh, at first, like, let's not judge him on an immediate reaction. Because I look at the guy that came out 20 minutes before Sunday's game and was throwing his route tree and doing all the things. And yeah. according to multiple reporters, he's going through the full measure of his practice. And like, he's still participating and doing his thing. So I choose to believe that Zach, well, if he might have been initially reluctant, he's a good teammate and he likes the players and he likes his teammates. So no, I'm not really buying this Connor Hughes garbage that continues to perpetuate, led by him from the New York Jets media. When my wife asked me to do the dishes, I probably have the same level of reluctance, but I ended up doing it happily, you know? In you the still end, but do at first it. I might've given, uh, you know, a look. <laughs> that's a great point. Like, are Actually, we all like, like dishes, yes, I would love to clean the toilets what? and clean the yeah. house right now. <laughs> I would love to turn out this very intriguing football game and go and do that. That's the one that gets me. It's the toilet, not the dishes. You're Come right. Come on.
Okay, Pukunakua needs 89 yards per game over the next five games to break the NFL rookie receiving record. My question isn't whether he's going to do that. My question is, where is Pukunakua in your Cougars in the NFL power rankings? Woo! Whatever criteria you want. We didn't say best player, yeah. most power uh, rankings. interesting or popular, whatever you think. So I'm going to lean on body of work a little bit here. Fred Warner is number one. Yeah, agreed. Taysom Hill, because of his unique nature and what he has accomplished, like he's had his jersey, along with Puka, displayed at least for a few weeks in the Pro Football Hall of Fame this week because they've done some unbelievable things. But Taysom, because of his unique uniqueness and ability to be the Swiss Army knife, he's still at number two. Puka's at number three, but he is right on Taysom's tail. There's an argument for Puka too, given the kind of year he's had, right? And the Saints have struggled and they've not used Taysom you know, as much as maybe when they do, they typically win. Yeah, well, it's crazy. The other day they had a rare like loss when they gave him seven or more carries or whatever. But uh, no, Puka's uh, splash in the NFL has been unbelievable, man. It's been so fun. We knew that he was pretty stinking good, but this kind of rookie year is pretty spectacular. So hopefully he can fight through the AC joint uh, reported injury, which is a tough one. And if he sets the rookie record, then his case for being number two behind Fred Warner is almost solidified. At what point does he pass Austin Collie and best receiver in the NFL from BYU? Because I, I think he just needs more time, right? I think he needs to get into like time? maybe another season like this. and then Playing a Super Bowl? It. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Wild. Yesterday we wore the same sweatshirt. I remember that. Black BYU beat digger hoodie. Awesome. Uh, and uh, put out a poll to see who wore it better. The final the results are the in, Jerem. And congratulations. With a 50, I won something on this program, 50.7% oh, to 49.3% oh, wow. portion of the vote. <laughs> I, was, I wore it best by 1.4%. Did, did the I'll voters get it. it right, Jerem? In my biased opinion, no. Because <laughs> I voted for you. BYU basketball with Mark Pope is Thursday night, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app and ESPN+. Plus. Again, Thursday night, a little different. Uh, you know, and, and this is because the Big 12 plays on Saturdays and Tuesdays coming up in conference play. But uh, check it out Thursday night. Riding the wave of another memorable start to the season for BYU men's basketball. We'll take a look back at the five best starts in the history of this program. Oh, look at this. This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Make sure you follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Ross Dellinger just tweeting a moment ago, or Xing, what are we tweeting? Can we say that? X. Kansas is expected to hire former Beeler and BYU offense coordinator Jeff Grimes as the offensive coordinator telling Yahoo Sports. So. Uh, from what we were hearing, Grimes was out uh, perhaps the last couple of days of BYU. That would make sense. Why? Yeah. Because uh, if you're going to be the OC, you're getting a fatter paycheck. Grimes than and being Lawrence. a position coach. Yep. There you go. And uh, they lost their offensive coordinator to Texas A&M. Is that correct? Can't remember. I don't know. I can't. I think it was Texas A&M. Okay. But, but uh, I, may, I may be wrong. I have to double check on that one. They had a great year on offense. Yep. Uh, that that. OC there you go. Move on. Jeff okay. Grimes staying in the Big 12, heading to Lawrence. We will see him soon enough. Uh, welcome back to Studio B. I'm Jerem. He's Jason. Let's get to today's headlines. Speaking of BYU football, BYU cornerback Eddie Heckard and punter Ryan Rico were named honorable mention All-Americans by College Football Network. Heckard finished the year with five interceptions, a sack, three forced fumbles, a fumble recovery, 
and two touchdowns. As for Rico, he was second in FBS in punt average and was third in total punts and punt yardage. And, and by the way, um, Penn State is is where the uh, the previous Kansas OC was. Gotcha. And BYU does host Kansas uh, in Lavelle Edwards Stadium this season. So we'll see uh, Jeff Grimes again soon enough. There you go. Niners linebacker Fred Warner, first among linebackers, and Rams wide receiver Puka Nakua, seventh among receivers in the first wave of Pro Bowl voting. They got all your votes, Shep. Nice job. Voting ends on Christmas Day. Warner 15th in the league in tackles. Nakua 7th in the NFL, first among rookies in receiving yards, and 11th in receptions. He has over 1,000 yards already. Very impressive. John Rothstein from CBS Sports reported yesterday that Fusini Traore is uh, not practiced since getting injured against North Carolina State and is questionable to play in the game Saturday at Utah. Traore right now averaging 10.2 points and 5.5 rebounds on the season. And women's soccer senior forward Brecken Mozinga, one of three finalists for the Mac Herman Trophy Award, the Heisman of women's soccer. Mozingo led the Cougars in goals with 14 assists, 15 points, 43 shots, 89, and swag with 174. As the Cougars ended the season, ranked number four in the country, 23-3, second College Cup in the last three years. The winner will be announced on January 5th. Okay, those are today's headlines. Let's whip it. Google Whip Round is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. All right, PFF has Fred Warner as the top-graded linebacker this season. Do you think he should be in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation? Um, yes and no. Uh, Michael Parsons and yeah. Miles Garrett and Nick Bosa and TJ Watts and Max Crosby have been pretty stinking good. Those are your odds-on favorites, by the way, in Vegas. So, he, yeah, he's been awesome. Like, the DPOY, maybe not, but he's been great. Maybe a strong finish gets him into that combo. Yeah, I mean, I, I think his play every year will have him in the combo. He's going to be top ten. Micah Parsons is going to win that award. He's been he's so been dominant. fantastic. It's, trust yeah. me, I saw it firsthand, uh, like, last <laughs> Thursday or whatever. Big 12 beat the Big East seven, when I say firsthand on my phone, uh, against Seahawks. Beat the Big East 7-4 in this year's Big 12 Big East battle. Do these bragging rights extend to BYU despite the Cougars not playing in it? You better believe it does. We're Big one, 12. We're one Big for all, right? 12. We're one for all. The Big 12 does something that's us. Three Musketeers? Look at you, saying. bro. Look at you. You better believe it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when, are we, really... when are we printing the banners and the t-shirts? Well, we've already printed the number one in net thing, so <laughs> let's go. <laughs> All right, Trevor Nell and Dallin Hall are the top performing teammate duos on yeah, the court dude. together in the country, according to Evan Miyakawa's adjusted efficiency metric. Is this We're the hearing best... that a lot of the, yeah. that kind of stuff. Is this the best duo in any sport at BYU right now? Ooh, it's pretty good. I would argue Mozingo Katoa women's soccer is pretty good. Gustin Wolston's pretty good. You could even put Whiting in there. Bauer Livingston, women's uh, volleyball, pretty good as well. So I would say it's up there. I, I personally, right now, I would call the Mozingo Katoa kind of forward pairing that BYU had in women's soccer perhaps the best I, so far. There are I'm some gonna, other good ones, as I yes, mentioned. I'm going to go literal and say, since we're saying right now, since like basketball, as of, 10, as of right now, time. because all these others, they're not playing right now. So, like, I don't. I don't feel like I'm gonna offend them. Does that like right now? No, but but I mean their season uh -oh. is still going on right now. Uh -oh. So I will say yes. Yeah, two days. Because they're playing. Well, what about Gustin Wilson? Then they're playing right now too. I'm, I'm a little better. Let me tell you, Lauren Gustin is. She's as they say the real Dill. She she may be the best on campus. At what she does. At what she does. Mm. Like she may she, she is one Pretty of the best good. athletes on campus hands down. Yeah, there's some great ones. Yeah. Does she lift more than you? You think? 
I don't know. We haven't. We haven't. I, I we think we should have a lift off. I would love to see she it. Probably could lift more than me. Yeah. I put my money on Lauren. No offense to you. Just, well, com actually, complete. I, I was going to say that offense is complete to you. offense. Complete offense to you. Hey, but hey, Lauren puts in the work. She deserves it. And you do too, but she puts in more. Amari White and Kaylee Wilson averaging a combined 30 points per game. Speaking of a, a pairing here, 9.2 rebounds, 5.2 assists per game. Have they been better than you thought calling the women's games on the radio? You're watching them every morning. I every knew game. they were going to be good. What my question was, anytime you have freshmen that come in, it's like how quickly can they how quickly can they be good? Can you do they, anything? They were they were good from day one. Yeah, from awesome. game number one, they have been fantastic. And it's not just the number, it's not just like the total points mm -hmm. or the rebounds or the assists. And, and Amari is fantastic with the steals. She leads the team in steals. It's how efficient they are shooting, especially Kaylee Woolston. Oh, shooting yeah. the basketball, she's been phenomenal. I, Kaylee Woolston is as good at three-point shooting as Lauren Gusson is at rebounding. <laughs> yeah. Like, isn't that crazy? Yeah. And for a freshman, she's just shooting the lights out. Hitting 25 points in that backcourt between, between Amari and Kaylee for freshmen and shooting as efficiently as they are, it's been fantastic. Yeah, that's wild, man. All right, Deion Sanders, or Coach Prime, as he likes to be referred to, said that he would have liked to have had a little bit more privacy this season. Um, I'm sorry, what? Excuse me? Really? He literally brought in the cameras. Amazon when literally followed him. When you're the one that brings in the cameras, you can't say, well, I didn't want the cameras. That, that's in your control. I have no empathy for this. No. You wanted this, and you got it. And you had a 3-0 start, and that was nice. I What? Look, you can't you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube now, okay? <laughs> That's like it's very out, hard to do. Have you it's ever tried out, that? It's impossible. Yeah. Just like saying literally, literally being Deion Sanders and then saying, I wish I had a little more privacy. It just doesn't go together. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that is Look, one and of I'm the, a pro That's one of the coach things. prime. Like I I enjoy what he's doing at Colorado. Like I'm I'm a fan of it. It was fun at the yes, beginning. Yes, I enjoyed here, it. They just went away. So I'm not bagging on him, but yeah, yeah you can't be you can't have his personality and then say you want some privacy. It's like BYU saying we don't want firesides anymore. Like, what? No, that's part of the deal. We can have tunnel singing and, uh, you know, socks and, and sandals and cougar. This is what we do. You can't just get rid of it. Come on now. Coming up, record-setting swimmers Brad Prolo and Tanner Edwards join the program. This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on this Thursday. Hey, two days out from BYU at Utah Men's Hoops. Let's go. But let's talk a little bit of swimming. Jerem Jordan, Jason Shepard, who swam in high school. I did. I was so you are particularly excited about our next two guests, <laughs> who are Brad Prolo and Tanner Edwards. Guys, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Great to have you. Thank you for having Thanks us having on. Us. Okay, Brad, let's lead with you. Uh, you just qualified for uh, you know the Olympic trials, which is pretty exciting for the U.S. Uh, what was that like, man? Um, it was a great experience. So last week I was at the U.S. Open where there was probably about 30 Olympians there I was swimming against. Mm. And my goal going into it was just to qualify for the Olympic trials. There's a certain time base that you have to make every four years to qualify for Olympic trials. So that's my, that was my whole goal. But I did end up getting 13, so I was pretty happy about that as well. What was your hope going in? Hope just, was just, just qualify. qualifying. Yeah, I did, I did not expect to get so highly placed in it. Yeah. Just qualify, and I was happy with it, but that was an added bonus to it as well. That's awesome. Yeah. And so for, so for those that, that aren't, aren't familiar, like what, what are the events that you guys participate in? What are, what are the strokes that you guys uh, are, are, yeah, are speak, best at? Speak swimmies here. Let's go. Yes. Swimmies. Yes. Uh, 
for me, my best event is the 200 butterfly. Mm. I so hard. It's it's the Michael Phelps one. That's what I like to tell people. Nice. But I uh, somehow got good at that, and now I'm stuck with it, and I swim it all the time. Yeah, for me, uh, I'm a sprinter, so I do 100 backstroke, 100 butterfly, and 50 freestyle. I'm more of the, sh the shorter events. I can't yeah. do a, a 200 like that. <laughs> what, yeah, what, what does it take in terms of the different kind of training to be more of a sprinter versus distance? Yeah, so for sprinters, we do a lot of threshold. Just a lot of 25s, one lap, two yep. laps as fast as you can, a lot of rest, you go back at it. Brad, on the other hand, he does a lot, a lot of laps that my yeah. body would not be able to handle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and Tanner, you, you, you just got off your mission how long ago? Uh, a little bit over six months. So, so how, is it, how is it coming back and sort of getting back into this? Because some, some athletes, like if you're a basketball player, you can get shots up. There's no water on a mission. There's, you know, there's a scripture in the Doctrine and Covenants, like, no water. <laughs> and it's all lungs. It's all, yeah. it's all about your lungs. And uh, being from South Carolina, the altitude here is, is a big difference. Mm. You know, when you go underneath the water, that, it's like double hard to breathe. Even so, in water. Even yeah, in water. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. But yeah. like, like you said on my mission, I, I wasn't able to swim. Um, it's a completely different ball game. Um, but I had an awesome mission president, President Sister Heyman. He actually uh, was on the national championship football team for BYU back in the 1980s. Nice. And so he told me how hard it was going to be getting back into it, but just to rely on Jesus Christ. You know, I serve the Lord with all my heart, and it's been very, very hard to get back in shape. But um, slowly um, putting in the work, I can see the hand of Christ in my life to get me back to this point. That's a good point, because Tanner Mangum, after he threw like two Hail Marys, was on the Dan Patrick show, and Dan Patrick asked him, do you think that God cares about sports? Like, and, and Tanner had the perfect response. He said, he doesn't care about who wins and loses. He cares about the individual. But he's helping you in your life be the best you can. I love that. Absolutely. That's great. What was your favorite thing about Portland, by the way? I lived in Portland as a kid. I love Portland. Um, well, the saying is keep Portland weird. Yes. It's for sure weird. <laughs> but the, the, the people are amazing. They, yeah. They're loving. They care about you. Even if you're a missionary you've never met before, they'll have respect for you, which I love. Church super strong. BYU fans super, super strong. strong up in that area, which is cool. Brad, let's uh, talk to you. So your dad uh, said he played water polo at BYU? He did, yes. Like, so water, they had water a, runs in your family. Oh, they, yes. Did they have a club team back in the day? Because now yes. it's like intramural water polo yeah, only, like in tubes it, or whatever. It was a club back then, yeah. and he would he would say it was basically NCAA approved, but no, nah, it wasn't that. <laughs> he he loved – he swam when he was in high school as well and swam yeah. with some Olympians, and so he that's his claim to fame. But, yeah, I, I, I take pride in him and – playing water polo here as well. And your dad played football at BYU? Uh, my grandpa. Or, sorry, grandpa. Yeah, my grandpa played it, uh, 63 to 64, yeah. Really? Okay, 64, it would have been with Virgil Carter. That yep. was a good BYU team. So was yeah. BYU always the place for you guys? Was that, was that the goal for both of you? How, how, was, how did you guys come to be here at BYU? Um, so, so my dad actually swam at the University of Georgia. And so my whole life, me and my, my family have been huge Georgia fans. And so BYU was always the top choice just because being around the aspect of the church and the great culture, but always wanted to swim at Georgia. So it was between Georgia and BYU, but ultimately Heavenly Father needed me to come to BYU. So sorry, BYU. sorry about Saturday's loss. That, yeah. was, that was tough, right? <laughs> it's okay. Alabama yeah. does it every time. <laughs> we beat them in 2020. Actually, fun fact, I've never seen Georgia win a national championship because I was on my You're mission. You're on your mission. Years. Look oh. at you, staying so, true and not watching. Yeah, my family said you need to go back to Portland after the loss. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because I watched Ryan Millar in, uh, play for the United States in the Olympics on my mission. I was like, I'm too itch. I'm just going to watch. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not safety zone approved. Brad, um, what, what's, what's next for you in terms of uh, obviously later at the Olympic trials, doing your best in that, you qualified, but like this season with BYU? 
With BYU, uh, we just swam at Mizzou, which was our midseason meet, and my goal there was to qualify for the NCAA championships, which I luckily did. I got the time that I needed. So the end of the season, my goal is to get top eight in the nation, which would make me an All-American. and Like first team All-American. First team All-American. In the final, right? In the final. Yep. Get that big trophy. That's, that's my goal. So um, I'm in a pretty good place right now, and I'm happy about the, the results that, that came. How about you, Tanner? Uh, my goals this season um, is in our relays uh, to win the Big 12 championship, to beat teams like, like Texas, which would be huge momentum for BYU, especially first year um, in Big 12s, and to a final and the Big 12 championships and the 100 butterfly, 100 backstroke, and 50 freestyle. How much has that added being in the Big 12 this year? And for those that may not necessarily know Big 12 swimming, what, who, who are some of the power schools in the sport? I would, Texas is definitely number one. They've won, I, don't, I can't tell you how many national championships they've won. They've won 40-something years straight in the Big 12. Wow. So they, they're a powerhouse team. But our goal this year is, is to come for them and, and beat them. So. Where is the uh, Big 12 championships? It's in West Virginia at their West, pool. Yeah. West Virginia, okay. Yeah. That'll be a fun trip. Uh, yeah, it'll be a long east. trip out there. But <laughs> when, when you were competing, did you go to Mizzou too and compete in that? Yes, sir. Where you're like, hey, SEC, I've checked that box. Yeah, it, it, it was it an awesome experience. Also, the, the the breathing was a little bit easier because we were a little bit. Yeah. Little bit <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're like, these South Carolina bit, lungs right? are doing right. all right. Yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, in terms of, of swimming at BYU and kind of the next step for, for this program, and the pool has been upgraded the last couple of years and, and uh, some new coaches and whatnot, what's the next step for this program right now? I would say winning Big 12s uh, is the first step that we want, but we want to be ranked nationally. Uh, the goal this year is to be ranked nationally um, top 25, and I, we, we think we can do that. But to be consistent in that, in that ranking for the next 50-plus years, that'd be, that'd be the goal for us. Be the new Texas in yeah. the Big 12. Be the new bounce. Texas, exactly. Yeah, let's go. When's, when's your next uh, meet? Uh, it is in January, and I think it's here, here okay. in, at, the, at the pool, and I think it's against Air Force. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Let's yeah. go. BYU versus Brad. the Cadets of Air Force. Thanks, Let's guys. go. Thank well, Tanner and Brad, we appreciate coming in. Appreciate Best you. of luck. Thank you. Go Cougs. There we go. Go Cougs. Go Cougs, exactly. BYU women's basketball back in action against Boise State on Saturday at 4 Eastern on Big 12 Now on ESPN Plus and on BYU Radio. It's the Kristen Kozlowski's Schools Bowl. Uh, <laughs> that's what that is. Coming up, who gets today's rise and shout out? This is BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Next on BYU Sports Nation, how about men's basketball? Climbing the metrics after a dominant win over Evansville last night will break down BYU and what they've done best on their path to being number one in the net. Plus, BYU radio analyst Mark Durant will join us and discuss how BYU has improved so much from last year to this year and look ahead to Saturday's game against Utah. Women's Hoops snapped a two-game losing streak with a close win against Utah State as Lauren Gustin throws up another 2020-plus. Surprising roster news and what it means for the rest of the season. And Joe Lighthall of BYU Track and Field on why the fight song calms him down and the importance of ironing. <laughs> How's that for a tease? Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, December 6th. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the second biggest Cinnamon Toast Crunch fan on the planet, Jerem Jordan. 
It is in the rotation. I like it a lot. I think it's my favorite. I'm not exactly sure. What's your favorite cereal? Probably Waffle Crisp or Honey Bunches of Oats. Nice. Yeah, those two are my go-tos. That's pretty good. Um, the track and field team, the men's team specifically, uh -huh, went uh -huh. to the Cannon Center. And there's a tower of Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and they were trying to eat it all before it got refilled. Well, let's just say it kept getting refilled. They had stomach aches, okay? But eventually, they triumphed and carried the empty tower out and took a photo. They ate 2.25 towers. I think this was yesterday, or at least earlier this week. So congratulations to the men's oh, track so, and field so team good. that, uh, you know, conquered the tower of Cinnamon Toast Crunch at the cans. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. The things we do for entertainment as college kids. <laughs> and hey, if you run a lot and and still want to be in shape, it's okay to eat that much. Absolutely. That's what we learned. You will from burn this. all of those calories and the yeah. sugar, no problem. My Spanish teacher in high school, uh, Mr. Cabanillas, routinely won the Deseret News 10K, and he drank soda all the time. So he was like, anyone that tells you, you Mythbuster, I win the Des yeah, News yeah. 10K. He was, he was super fun. Well, don't forget yourself, who finished 55th in the state cross-country meet, take, and you consumed all types of I, soda I as didn't, well. Spence, I didn't go to practice. Uh, <laughs> I got, it was a good day. A, a championship day mentality. Back in 2000. No practice. No practice. Lots just of soda. for the races. <laughs> I love I was, it. I was pretty proud of myself at the time. I was like, oh, you fools went to practice, and I just ran by you. Yeah. That's, uh, that's humiliating for everybody you beat, quite Yeah, honestly. I have a lot of uh, <laughs> humiliating stories. Now, yeah, on way. that note, and the Cinnamon Toast Crunch Tower in mind, all rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. By Jackson Robinson, right at the rim. Double-digit threes now in all eight games this season. Behind the back pass to Khalifa. It just gets better. What's Trending presented by Tim Daly Nissan, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group serving Utah since 1968. BYU men's basketball on the emotional high of being ranked 14th and so number awesome. two in the net ranking going into last night and a top 10 Ken Palm team. A classic trap game scenario. Oh, there's clearly going to be some type of letdown before Utah on Saturday. No. The pregame sideline reporter set me up for that. Straight up. Me. Oh, you. Yeah, you. I, I was like, oh, I could see this game being a, a little weird. At some point, BYU's got to play a weird one, right? It hasn't they happened. BYU absolutely destroyed a pretty good Evansville team last night. 90 in that. If you look at net rankings, they're the third best team that BYU has played to date. Of the eight wins, but it's a 96-51, a 45-point 40, win against a pretty good team. And as of this morning, I said it gets better. BYU is ranked number one <laughs> in the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee's primary sorting tool. What did I say to start the postgame show? That BYU could be number one. And they are. They did it! Number the one numbers were good enough. in the net rankings Come as on. of December 6th. Yeah. So we're taking a step back today to try and figure out how. How did this happen and what BYU has been best at to lead to this unprecedented ranking in the net sorting tool? What do you think? We're going to go rebel and lock on this segment. We're going 
numbers. Okay, heavy numbers number. today. I'm from the school of Rubel. So All right. A lot of, lot of numbers here. Okay, BYU is just playing great basketball. We can quantify this in a million different ways. Okay, offensive efficiency, ninth in the country. That is how many points per 100 possessions you score. Just straight up. Adjusted for tempo, ninth. Points per possession. That's the point, right? To like score and not uh, yeah. points. Third in the country at 1.24. Defensively, BYU's playing great as well. 11th in the country. Remember when BYU was just like, yeah, I get a bucket and hopefully get a stop? Like that used to be like the mantra. Uh, nope, BYU's playing great defense at 11th. BYU leads the nation in the following. Net, mm-hmm. scoring margin, assists per game. Okay. That matters, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Ali, Mark Ali Pope Khalifa talked about that specifically last night. Second, the assist-to-turnover yep. ratio as a team. Three-point makes and takes a game. Second half points per game, three-point percentage defense, defensive rebound percentage, opponent blocks uh, percentage per game. Uh, BYU is only getting blocked 1% of the time, by the way. (laughs) Bench points, among others. There are others. This is just what we had room on a graphic for, okay? BYU is playing so, so well. They are connected. They are unselfish. They are overcoming injuries. Remember, Foose has been Mm -hmm. out for two games. Last year, Foose was out for two games. That would have been bad news. Well, let's go ahead and just throw in the NC State game as well. It feels like three because he didn't play very much against NC State. It feel, Yeah, it's basically two and a half. Yeah, yeah. And BYU has no Dawson Baker, who at one point I was told, hey, he might be our best guard. Excuse me? Your leading scorer is coming off the bench in Jackson Robinson. who can, He's gone 19-plus, three in a row. BYU's shooting it well. Like you, ha- you just have a team. You really have a great team. BYU's playing great. I am not worried about what this means. Sustainability. When do they come down from the mountain at this point? You don't get to the top of Everest and worry about the climb down quite yet. You enjoy enjoy the journey up and the view, and then you see where you're at, right? But you do want some Wi-Fi so you can tell the homies about the experience. BYU jumped five spots in ESPN's BPI last night. They were 18 going into the game against Evansville. Yes, look at all this stuff. Okay, a couple more numbers. Regular season projections. We'll break this down more later, but okay. BPI says 23 and 8. Ken Palm says 25 and 6. Team rankings say 26 and 5. Everything is awesome. <laughs> Everything is cool, cool when, when you're, you're part, part of, of a team. this team specifically yes. that shares the ball, plays defense, works hard. I, I am over the moon about how BYU is playing. It is not just that BYU is winning. How they are playing is the reason they are ranked in this way. Yes. I think the word unselfish comes to mind right now. In fact, it was Ali Khalifa who brought that up with me last night post-game. Listen to this. Just unselfishness, man. We practice hard. We've been practicing hard since June and May. I came here in May. Just unselfishness. This locker room is one of the best locker rooms I've ever been at in my life. We don't care who's going to score. We don't care who's going to be great. I feel like everybody just being great, and that's what's our secret is just we don't care who's going to pop up tonight. We just want to win. I don't know how to quantify unselfishness other than looking at BYU's assist rate to field goal makes, which is incredibly high, as you just documented. Yeah, BYU leads the country in assists per game. Uh, yesterday, Cody Figure talks about assist opportunities because whether you make that shot or not is different, right? But BYU is very unselfish. So he's not just saying it. They are showing it in that specific regard. Mm-hmm. Numbers heavy today. But I ask you, Jerem, what is BYU not doing well right now? Being selfish. 
<laughs> not making shots. Maybe not, not shooting a ton of free throws. Like, not they're trying not, hard. They're not getting to the free throw line a ton, but do you need to when you're winning yeah. games by 30-plus? UIU is averaging 13% of its points from free throws. Not which, a ton. Which is bottom 15 in the Yeah, country. okay, so, like, how dare you? But It doesn't matter. <laughs> That, I, I had to look. I'm it's like, okay. where where are they not doing things well right now? We've reached that point. They're not uh, super young. <laughs> They're not new. Oh. Yeah, no, it's Spence. It's unbelievable. I, that's, like, like that, I cannot get over how awesome this is right now. It is so fun. It is fun to watch. Yes, a lot of people are paying attention to BYU. It's again, it's not just about winning. BYU is playing amazing basketball. Like I. I, I've you and I have been here a long time. You went and worked professionally for six years. You came back. I've been here. I've been here during that whole span. No team in this whole span, even Jimmer Fredette's team, played in this style. Even right? the it was great twenty twenty team, three YU. Yes, they they were connected and shot three well as well. But this team, it's one through nine, and one through ten with Foose, right? But right now, one through nine, and anyone that comes on the court, the connection, the fluidity, the flow, the effort. The buy-in, the chemistry, like use any word you want. BYU's playing so well. Like Lenardi today has BYU as a four still, but in Salt Lake, dog. Yeah. Salt Lake against Grand Canyon, who, by the way, beat San Diego State last night by six. But it didn't hurt BYU in the net. Still went up. It's about how you play. It's about margin. It's about efficiency. It's about strength of schedule. And we'll see what BYU can uh, do Saturday. Certainly, Utah only winning by two against Southern Utah is a little eye-popping. But 6-2 uh, and two Ute team at home, that will be a challenge. For the, sure. The one true road game. And then you have a bunch of winnable games at home. Uh, you hope to beat Wyoming on December 30th. And then you could walk into conference play 12-1, and 13-0, and wow. Jerem, it takes BYU doing everything well. Any team in college basketball doing basically everything well to earn the number one spot in the net ranking. Everything, everything aside from Free throw attempts or free throw points scored percentage-wise of what BYU is doing has gone well for the Cougars. That's okay. what it takes yeah. for BYU to be where they are. And again, I keep preparing myself for, okay, at some point shots aren't going to fall and it's going to be frustrating. And we saw it a little bit against NC State in the first half, yeah. but they battled back through that. And then it was like gangbusters, the final eight minutes of the game, they pull away, they win by nine. Yeah. Like so we, we saw it a little bit. And NC State is going to be a tourney team. That yes, feels like a tourney team. Absolutely. San Diego State's going to be a tournament team. NC State's going to be a tournament team. No question. Evansville could compete for the Missouri Valley Conference Championship. They were picked 11th, amazingly. That team's way better. BYU make them look, made them look ordinary. It, and they've been doing that to a lot of teams, like Arizona State. Yeah. Uh, wild. I asked Mark Pope last night, why, why and how have you avoided – the letdown through eight games. Like, it hasn't been anywhere. How in the world do you do that? And he responded with this. I think it's, I think it's one of our superpowers. When you're focused on the things that you want to do and not focus on all the external stuff, you have a chance to be pretty consistent, and these guys have been. And so it's still a challenge. Like, the next game is going to be a massive challenge to be focused, and the game after that just becomes a bigger challenge. But so far, our guys have been really focused. They've been really good at dialing in on what our job is on the court and understanding what makes us special. Adversity is going to happen at some point. It might be against Utah yeah. on Saturday. Uh, yeah. It feels like kind of the perfect storm for that to happen. Expect it. 
right? Yeah. It could get ugly and weird. If and maybe, you don't, hey, you, great. Maybe but, BYU's yeah. down 8 or 10 earlier. Even in the second half, they go down double figures. How will they respond at that point? And Coach Pope continued and, and has said as he, he feels like this team is built to handle, be able to handle something like that. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen, whether it's at Utah or it's – Or at Baylor in January. Or Cincinnati at or home, Cincinnati, right? Cincinnati, undefeated as well. Cincinnati's a really good basketball team. BYU, I'm grateful that BYU has they, a home opener for Big 12. They haven't play. played the schedule that BYU has, per se. But they're great. But, but they've not lost. They're one of 14 teams in the country, still unbeaten. Oh, by the way, the Big 12 has six of the 14 yeah. undefeated Went teams down to 12 remaining. two days ago. Oh, did? Okay. So it's six of the 12. Six like, of the 12. Exactly Half that. of the remaining undefeated teams yeah. in the Big 12 conference. So the adversity is going to happen. He calls it a superpower. Uh, to not overlook opponents, but he would probably also add in that superpower category, BYU, because they're older and they've gone through a lot of tough things, they feel like they're ready to handle the adversity that is surely coming, and maybe on Saturday. Let's finish with a couple team rankings things. 99% chance to make the tourney. Okay. Projected two seed. Remember, team ranks is like blue goggled. Like, it's crazy. Okay. Um, 71% chance to make the Sweet 16. 30% chance to make the Final Four right now. Well, if they're a 10% two, chance to win the whole thing. <laughs> if you're, what? If you're a two seed, 71% chance to make the Sweet 16 sounds pretty reasonable. If you're a two, holy crap. That's awesome. Yeah, team rankings likes this BYU basketball team even more than we do. Like, they are. I don't know what's going on in the metrics for team rankings specifically, but I'll add this. Like we laugh some at the nerd we laugh in some numbers at the two seed. Joe Lenardi had BYU as a four seed in bracketology. That's not that it's far not off. It's not that far off. It's not that far off. Okay, topic two. Yesterday after women's hoops beat Utah State 72-66, head coach Amber Whiting addressed the fact that Nani Falatea wasn't on the bench for BYU. Um, she has stepped away from the program. What's your reaction to this news, and how does this affect the team moving forward? Stunned. When, when I first heard the news, I was stunned. And when I heard it, it was right before we went on the air, and we were instructed at that time, hey, things are still moving fast. Amber's going to address it postgame. Uh, but just say she's not available and will not be on the bench with the team. But we were told she has stepped away. There's no way around this. This hurts. Nani Falatea is a very, very skilled player. I would argue that she's BYU's most crafty offensive player with just how smooth she is with the basketball. She's a great passer. She's got really good court vision. I know she's frustrated coming back from a tough injury, and she didn't play well against Utah in Salt Lake City on Saturday. So maybe there's some lingering frustration there. But this hurts because... BYU's guard depth, we kept saying like, oh, you just wait till Nani gets back and she joins the likes of Amari Whiting and Kaylee Woolston and Lauren Davenport. Now they've got some real depth that will handle Big 12 play. BYU will be able to win the remainder of their non-conference games without Nani Falatea. They're going to pay the price in Big 12 play, not having a player of her caliber because she absolutely is the type of athlete that could end up being on one of the all-conference teams. This year, like she's that good, an all WCC performer. Uh, we're not here to speculate as to why and, and the how. Like that's that's not what we're doing today. We're discussing what this means for BYU women's basketball. And right now, I feel like this is a this is a tough scenario because I think BYU is going to pay the price in Big 12 play when you don't have guard depth. What if Amari Whiting gets in foul trouble? 
What if Kaylee Wilson gets in foul trouble? Like, I know that Nani wasn't starting per se, but I anticipated that at some point the season she would. She would. Yeah. She would. The, the conversation, I, I've called two games as well this year with women's hoops, and the conversations we had was, oh, yeah, at some point we're hoping to get her back in the starting lineup, right? This is certainly disappointing uh, for both BYU and Nani, right? Um, that Because she's a good player and uh, she's a huge piece. She averaged 15 a game last year, second on the team, all WCC player, came back from an ankle injury, uh, you know, uh, worked hard to get back. And that's, that's disappointing. I do want to look at the men's team for a comparison here. Dallin Hall took a minute to get back in the starting lineup and came off the bench, and it was still working for BYU. Also, BYU's leading scorer is off the bench, and Jackson Robinson um, is, is just fine in that role. So it's, it's tough if, uh, you know, if not starting was a big factor in this. It's like, well, it, you can still function well without starting, slash would, wouldn't you start later maybe anyway? So I, we don't know everything from both sides of this, but certainly it's disappointing not to have Nani Falatea on the team because she's a good player. Yes, and guess who recruited her? Jeff Judkins. So, I mean, I, I, again, I, I hate well, to speculate. Well, let's speculate more on Kingsley. Kingsley's going to go to the draft and bounce. They're engaged. She probably, I'm just Go guessing. somewhere where I, she, he, wherever he ends up. She's, sure. she's playing college basketball That would make by. sense to me. Sure. I don't, again, I don't know everything about this situation, but that's, that seems like that could be a possibility. Oh, man, if I'm Jeff Judkins and I see Nani Falatea going to the transfer portal and I recruited her at BYU and now I'm at Utah, it's like I'm making that phone call right well, away. Well, we know they went after Lauren Gustin and didn't get her. Didn't, they did not get her. And you know what? Maybe that's what I hate most about this whole situation here. Lauren Gustin has 21 points and 21 rebounds yesterday. That should be the story. And it's like unfortunately, an afterthought. But when, but when a really good player For sure. steps away – that's huge. Yeah. News. So yeah. That, that's a bummer. This hurts. Un- that's a bummer. But listen, I trust in Amber Whiting. I know she's a fiery coach, and she she digs into the emotions of her players. This one hurts for sure, but I, if there's somebody, that can, her if somebody can rally the troops, it's Amber, the extreme motivator. They started 5-0 and while they were figuring things out without her. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's something to that for yeah. sure. All right. Our question of the day, we're focusing on men's and women's basketball today, specifically about men's hoops with this brain buster. What have you liked most about the way BYU men's basketball has played so far this season? I say that in jest. This is just fun. This is a feel-good question. This is a what, what, what are you liking yeah. the most from what you've seen from the Cougars and Mark Pope? At Logue1 on X. That's a great Twitter name. Brian Logan, is that Lo- you? Logue1. Okay. Depth. What killed BYU in football seems to be a strength in basketball. Mm. Even when Foose is injured, BYU is maintaining the same level of play. Love it. Yeah, there's no drop-off. In fact, it might even be on the up. Jerem, it is my dream that BYU football can take a page out of BYU basketball's book in going through the growth and adversity and struggles and like not making a bowl game. BYU basketball finished fifth in the West Coast Conference last year and didn't play any postseason basketball. Yeah. But they kept the core. Can BYU can you keep the core? Keep the core as much as possible, notwithstanding graduating players and everything. Right, and we hope that this kind of eight-no start and whatnot is not the four-and-one-five-and-two football start. Yes. Oh, a little easier part of the schedule. You weren't in the conference play against stuff. It feels like men's hoops is way more sustainable. Like football was flawed. They had no run game. They were contingent on turnovers. Yes. The men's basketball team has little to no flaw at the moment. BYU will certainly play a tougher schedule coming up, not only Saturday, but in 
January sure. on, right? It's a pipe dream. I'm but, hoping that BYU football can take a step in that direction of what BYU basketball is doing. Yes. What, what Men's Hoops do, is doing is just utterly spectacular. All right, Travis Larson on Facebook. BYU has beat some good teams, which is great, but also mm -hmm. almost more impressively is how they are completely yes. destroying teams yes. they should beat. Totally. Vastly different from last year. All gas, no brakes. Like, Love it. Like, I'm excited to be in the Big 12, no doubt, period. I kind of wish we could have seen, like, this team in that weird, like, Thursday night at Pepperdine game. In the WCC. And be like, yep, yeah, BYU won by 40. Like, BYU beat a team by 41 last night. That was 90 in net. That would have been, like, the third best WCC team. <laughs> like, the Santa Claras of the world. You know what I mean? Like, that was a great win. It's not Houston Christian and Southeast Louisiana you beat. It's a number 90 in net Evansville yes. team. And hopefully they end up being, like, a... That's going to be a quad three in the end. For sure. Just because it was important. Still. But, oh, my gosh. It's amazing. Okay, BYU basketball with Mark Pope is tomorrow night. Oh, a lot to talk about. Coach, did a nice job, uh, you know, last night in your interview, looking at you, looking in the camera. He talked about that. 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app and ESPN Plus tomorrow night. Up next, the BYU Ironman. Former Cougar and current basketball radio analyst Mark Durant on the show. Why does he think BYU has taken such a massive step forward, and what does he expect against Utah? This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Straight away, Trevin Nell for three. Yes! Back to Jackson for three in the right corner. It's good! Oh, it's a winning Wednesday. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. It is now our privilege to welcome in one of our favorite people to have ever graced this show. He is BYU basketball radio analyst and former Cougar Ironman Mark Durant. Mark, That's on a great barbecue at his house too. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. This ride with BYU basketball has been incredible. How, how would you explain how BYU has done this through the first eight games of the season? Spencer, don't try to understand it. Just enjoy it, baby. I mean, it's good. Listen, Listen, I've lost so many games in my life, and my teams that I cheer for have lost so many games in my life that I, I just enjoy it when, it when they're playing good. And this is as good a stretch of basketball as I've seen in 27 years of calling it. And I don't know that we ever, as a player, ever had this kind of streak because it, it, it just it, everything's working. Everything's clicking. Offense, shooting, rebounding, uh, defense. Uh, the bench play has been terrific. The depth, I mean, it's just been a really, really impressive. And and, uh, and you, a lot of people say, well, the schedule hasn't been that tough. Well, you, the schedule usually isn't that tough in the preseason, and, and BYU's never done anything like this before. I mean, they are uh, they're just throttling people. And, it, it you know, obviously you expect to win, but the way they're doing it, uh, I mean, it passes the eye test. I mean, you're, that, that's why everybody's talking about BYU. That's why the, the metrics and the, and the rankings are so high. People are going like, whoa, what is happening in Provo? And it's been fun to watch. If Florida State had played in football like BYU's playing in basketball, they'd be in the uh, college football playoff. But that's another topic. Let's talk about your Christmas story lamp. 
um, in the background, the leg lamp. It's, it looks nice, man. Tis the season. I don't know. If, don't don't, don't, don't be rubbing it like that. That's weird. I don't know if you know this about me, Jaron, but I, I'm a major award winner. And uh, that's how I got this lamp. And what you do? You have to be careful because it's, it's fragile. So you don't want to break it. What did you do to win <laughs> I, I don't let well I, I I entered a contest and uh, I got a major award and my wife though I have to watch her because sometimes she'll come in here and I, I think she's got something against my lamp and, and, and something may happen so I have no idea why we'll <laughs> Mark Durant is with us on BYU Sports Nation leg lamp and all okay Mark you were on some good BYU basketball teams you experienced winning like you you were on teams that played high level basketball so having gone through your own experiences with that, what parallels can you draw from your teams that you are seeing clear as day with this BYU basketball team? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. I think this team started with the, the predictions, the conference predictions, bottom of the conference. And I remember my freshman year coming in, we were picked to finish at the bottom of the conference. Mike Smith had just left and, Nobody expected much from us, and I think this team, like my, my team, was was out to prove something for one. Uh, and then you had some really good players like Andy Toulson and Marty Haas that were great scorers and and seniors and had experience. Uh, and, and you had uh, you know little freshmen like me that you know just trying to make the team better, defense and rebounding. And it was a, it was a real team effort, and uh, we we had a real unity. And I think we're seeing that with this team. Uh, they know each other. They have good leadership this year. They're older. They're wiser. Uh, and they are unified in what they're doing. They're unselfish. And when you then you start to win and you develop a little confidence and a swagger, you don't want to get that too, too confident. Um, uh, but I think this team is now realizing we're really good. And really good teams and good players know they're good. And, and I think BYU is realizing that, and but but they're not letting it get out out of hand, and they're really focusing on each game, and not thinking about the rankings and all of that, at least so far. And uh, I think this team has been really impressive with how they've handled the success and how they approach each game, and and, and now that they really have a target on their back, I can't imagine how much Utah will want to spoil what's happening in Provo uh, with this team. And so every game's going to be a challenge. And of course, the Big 12 is a challenge and all of that. But like I said, what they've done so far deserves a, a real, a lot of praise. And it's been super fun to watch. BYU did a nice job in the non-conference scheduling because walking into the year, we thought, okay, all 18 games in the Big 12 are likely to be quad one or quad two. You don't need to load up with hardly anything in non-conference. Yep, BYU plays an NC State team that's top 60. Arizona State's in the top 100. Evansville, we didn't think would be this good, but they're 113 in net. San Diego State, of course, is the crown jewel of the non-conference schedule so far, despite the loss to Grand Canyon last night. Now BYU plays the one true road game at Utah, as you mentioned. What do you expect from this BYU team in the one true road game of the 13 in non-conference where they will be tested by a Ute team that is improved? Well, it's, it's been a series of tests for this team, right? Uh, and it's like, well, yeah, 
they're they're good. They beat Houston Christian by a lot, but it's Houston Christian. And then then they beat San Diego State. Well, they San Diego State's not maybe not as good as they were, but and BYU was at homes, but um, so we're still not sure. And then BYU goes to Vegas and takes care of Arizona State and NC State in in a in a good fashion. And they're like, well, yeah, but it's hard to tell on a neutral court. Now we'll, we'll see how they do on the road in a true road environment. And now you have that, so it's another test for them. Certainly, it will be a, a test because Utah, super big, super tall. I, I don't. I know Brandon Carlson didn't play uh, in the game last night. I don't know if he'll play Saturday. That would make a big difference. But Utah has a lot of size. They're at the Huntsman Center, man. I have seen so much stuff in that building that <laughs> I, I never have. Uh, you know, I never have any expectations. I have. I have no idea what's going to happen uh, what, with that game. Strange things happen in that building. And, and so we'll see how it goes. But then even if they win that game, then it'll be, well, Utah, you know, they're, they're not as good as they once were. And we'll see what they do in the Big 12. And, oh, yeah, maybe they want some games at home in the Big 12, but can they win on the road in the Big 12? And then and there's always going to be challenges and tests. And, and I think this team understands that. But, yeah, the first test is at the Huntsman Center at Utah against a big, talented Utah team, well-coached. And uh, and that'll just be another uh, step in the ladder for this team, I, I, I think, and we'll see how it goes. Mark Duran is on BYU Sports Nation. We're discussing the red-hot BYU Cougars 8-0 start. Blue-hot, blue given Utah. Okay, blue-hot BYU Cougars. Hey, a blue flame is, is like next That's level, right? That's the hottest, right? Yes. All right, Mark, that said, the unimportant thing is aside <laughs> here, how has this start altered your expectations for what you anticipate BYU will do for the remainder of non-conference and maybe more, well, certainly more importantly, in Big 12 play? Because I'm kind of centering on if BYU wins eight Big 12 games after the non-conference they've had, great. They're probably a six or seven seed in the NCAA tournament. Awesome. I'll take it right now. Do you differ from that and your expectations? If so, how when you look at Big 12 play? Well, I, I would say my expectations have risen uh, exponentially, and I think everyone's have, and, and that's a good thing. I mean, if I'm a player on a team, I want people to expect us to win games, no matter what conference or where we're at. And I think that team has earned the right to have those high expectations. But I, I think it's just so radically different BYU's approach this year, right? I mean, shooting 35 to 43s a game, Sure, any any team can do that, um, but to make the percentage they're they're shooting, that's really uh, radical. And what that does, it gives you a chance to beat anybody. Now, of course, you have to shoot well, um, but BYU's done that, and there's no reason to think. I mean, they have may have an off night here and there, but there's no reason to think this team can't continue to shoot well. I mean, Jackson Robinson, Trevin Nell, Spencer Johnson, Dallin Hall, Noah Waterman you got seven or eight guys that are consistently good from the three-point line. So even if one or two is off, you're going to have uh, guys hitting shots. So to be able to sustain those percentages and shooting that volume really poses an incredible challenge for teams that they play. And whether it's Kansas or whether it's Bellarmine or whatever you pronounce it, it's a challenge for them to stop BYU. And it, and it's it's just a radically different approach. I credit Mark Pope for thinking – we have to do something different to succeed in the Big 12. They're doing something different, and so far it's been a smashing success. 
Well said, Mark. It's great to talk with you. Always nice to see that lovely lamp in the background. I love lamp. <laughs> and we turn it on for yeah. It sounds like Jeremy needs to uh, watch Christmas Story again. He doesn't seem up on the up on this whole thing. Oh, I'm in. I'm just not on the uh, massaging a kneecap on BYU TV. That is new ground for us. Oh, all good, Mark. We well, you know, I'm always bringing out. I'm always bringing out the uh, the the racier side of BYU Sports Nation. We're That's pushing what I feel boundaries. Like my role is. Yeah, we get cra- we get crazy here. <laughs> Mark, great to talk to you. We look forward to uh, Saturday's game and your call with Greg. The great Thanks, Mark, boys. you got always it. Great to th- I love you guys, man. It brightens my day to see you. Every time I see you, you're just the best. I want people out there in the world to know Spencer and Jerem are everything you imagine would be. They're so kind and good and wonderful. I love you guys. I'll I'll Venmo you later. The love is sent back. Thanks, Mark. Thanks. See ya. The Iron Man, Mark Mark, Mark Durant. Mark Durant has held this, like, people who cover BYU basketball, like, barbecue thing a few years. It is legit at his house. It's so fun. Yes. One, he has an amazing property, which he has worked so hard for. And he's a very accomplished lawyer, by the way, if you didn't know. In what, the real estate game or something, I think? Yeah. yeah, and he it just yeah he's he it's good to see great people like have what he has and how open he is and how much he shares. Like, and he, he has goats, which is awesome. he's a great dude. Men's basketball takes on Utah Saturday. Listen to it on BYU Radio. Pregame starts at six Eastern time. After a dominant performance yesterday, Lauren Gustin may have been even better this year than she was last year. What do you think? We'll discuss it. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. He is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. Let's roll out your Wednesday headlines. Number 14 men's basketball blew out Evansville 96-55, no on the season, shot 53% last night, made 14 threes. BYU had different runs of 17-0, 16-0, 12-0 in the game. Jackson Robinson led all scores with 19 points, fired up 46 bench points for the Cougars. He was off to its best start since the 2010-11 season. Number one in the net today, up from two. Number six in Ken Palm, up two spots. Up next at Utah Saturday. Also, Joe Lenardi's bracketology update this morning. BYU is still a four seed. But in Salt Lake City, oh. taking on Grand Canyon, who beat San Diego State last night. By the way, that would be incredible. Can you imagine BYU playing as a four seed in essentially a home site? That would be amazing. My goodness. BYU women's basketball back to its winning ways after a 72-66 win over Utah State yesterday. And working through some emotions, having found out that Nani Falatea is not with the team anymore. They had to play after that. They just had to find a way, and they did. It was led by Lauren Gustin's sixth career 2020 game. 21 points, 21 rebounds. It's, it's crazy to do it once. She's done it six times. Freshman guard Amari Whiting added a career high 19 points with the win. BYU now 7-2. They host Boise State at home on Saturday at 4 Eastern ESPN+. Again, off the court news, head coach Amber Whiting confirming after the game that junior guard Nani Palatea has indeed stepped away from BYU women's basketball. Mel Kuyper's latest NFL draft big board has Kingsley Suamati as the number eight offensive tackle. Ryan Rico is the number four punter among draft eligible players for the 2024 NFL draft. Neither has declared for the draft, but we expect both to do so. 
Ashley Hatch played the first half of the United States women's national team in a 2-1 win over China. Hatch recorded one shot on goal in that match. And congrats to Athletic Director Tom Homel, who received the 2023 National Football Foundation John L. Toner Award last night for the best printer. The award recognizes ADs who have demonstrated superior administrative abilities to an outstanding dedication to collegiate athletics and particularly college football. And some breaking news to finish these headlines. Zach Wilson hey, there you are on the has been named the starting quarterback <laughs> for the New York football Jets oh. this week against the Houston Texans. kind of wish he just said no. <laughs> but he's a good teammate. I know. And Aaron Rodgers debunked terrible. everything that had been said yesterday on the Pat McAfee show. I saw that. They're terrible to him. And he's like, yeah, I'll go back out there. <sighs> Respect to Zach. Tough situation. Respect to Zach. Those are today's Don't headlines. <laughs> what that terrible offense was. Some opinions now in the whip. The Cougar Whip Around. Presented by Marish, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Yesterday, the NCAA president proposed a rule change that would allow schools to enter into NIL deals directly with student athletes. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on this idea? Fine, great. It's just another step in the NIL thing. Like, I'm, I'm okay with it, are you? I want Brigham to spend the money if that's the case. Um, and, and do it to be aggressive and get the right, um, you know, the right deals with the right players. That makes sense. Obviously, yes. there's not like an unlimited amount of funds. You have to be smart with that. BYU's done that. BYU's not Arizona where they're like 240 in the hole and they have to, you know, BYU's smart with its money. They operate in the black, right? Um, so I, I would just want to make sure that BYU is going to be aggressive and spend the money to get not only, obviously, coaches, but in this situation, the athletes that make sense for BYU. Hopefully this gives BYU more green light to do this and to take care of those athletes. But I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Green light right now? It kind of feels like they're running into some things, but this, this feels like it would like green light some more things. I don't know. I think it was out of the BYU structure, it would be greener? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's up to BYU. You can do it. Let's want. go. All right, Lauren Gustin, 21 points, 21 rebounds yesterday. She's off to another just amazing start this season. Has she been even better this year than she was last year? No, she's been the same player, which is awesome. <laughs> she's been an amazing player. She's maintained the amazingness. Yeah. You know, oh, the and that's not of, downplaying her in any way. The more can be bad. Like, you know, she doesn't have to do more. She has to continue to be at that level. I'm excited to see what she can do in Big 12 play because averaging yeah. 16 rebounds a game in Big 12 play would be incredible. You're doing 12, that's amazing. Like she's, like she's going to lead the Big 12 in rebounding. She's going to face yeah. way bigger lineups, yeah. but I'm with you. I expect her to still lead the league in rebounds. I don't know if it's going to be 16, but... 16, no. Why not, Lawrence? She's beat, she's beat the odds so many times before. Mike, yeah, jeez. Bronco Mendenhall, new New Mexico head coach officially. Do you like that move for Bronco? I do. I think this is a fun return to his past when he was a defensive coordinator way back when. Running that 3-3-5 defense with Brian Urlacher and... I, I like the move. I think it's a great move for the program down there. I, and because I know who Bronco is and what he's about, I expect New Mexico to compete for Mountain West Conference Championships in like three to four years. Great. We have to pay attention to the Mountain West again. No, uh, that's good for him. That's cool. I'm yeah. happy. I'm happy. Yeah, for get sure. Get some land, get some horses, do your thing, Bronco. He's, he can keep his ranch in Montana and have a ranch down in Albuquerque. He probably has ranches in Virginia and Utah <laughs> and Montana and he's, New Mexico. He's earned that. Literally earned that. Three mil plus for a couple years there. Women's hoops. Taking on Boise State Saturday, 4 Eastern on Big 12 now on ESPN+. Plus. How do the Cougars settle in with no 95 State? Up next, Jerem goes one-on-one -on -one with BYU freshman Joe Lighthill of track and field about using the fight song to overcome nausea 
ironing, and more. This is BYU Sports Nation. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation alongside Jerem Jordan. I'm Spencer Linton. I didn't know we were doing Gene Day. you got to tell me next time. I, apparently, we need to communicate way more about our wardrobe. Fun fact, like denim jeans I have not worn since pre-COVID. Not a single time. Not once? I have, uh, yeah. I'm like Nike Tech sweat fleece guy. You got me into that. <laughs> Not once. Again, but let me know and I'll match. We need to collaborate yeah. on wardrobe now. All right. Do we after yesterday? Top 5 <laughs> Tuesday presents, based on what BYU men's basketball is doing this year, the best starts in program history from men's hoops. Go, baby. Let's go back to 1965-66 for the number five selection here. Oh, look at this footage. Some of this it. is Spencer at Northridge High School. I love it. I was a pure shooter. <laughs> Yeah, but it was like this in the 60s. Uh, started the season 10-1. and one. Dick Namelka, Steve Kramer, Jeff Congdon, these guys were awesome. Beat Arizona, Arizona State in the whack. Beat Houston, future Big 12 homie. Climbed as high as number six. They ended the season 20-5, and five, second in the whack. Won the NIT, which at the time was considered equal to or better than the NCAA tournament. And so, 1966, that, that's what's up. Triple threat stance, Jerem. <laughs> Dribble. Pass, shoot. Ain't no passing going on. <laughs> Number four. How about, uh, you know, Danny Ainge's 1980-81 season I would for have BYU this basketball? Higher. higher. The season started 15-2, including wins over Washington, Illinois, Michigan State, St. Mary's, Utah State twice, and our friends at San Diego State. BYU climbed to as high as With number Tony 15. Tony Gwynn, by the way. Or number 15 in the AP poll. BYU was already higher than that this year. Ended the season 25 and 7, third place in the WAC, earned a sixth seed, advanced to the only Elite Eight in pro program history. Yep. Danny Ainge was the wooden player of the year. Triple threat stance. <laughs> I love it. A, you're not, you ain't passing, so I don't know what you're talking about. 2009 <laughs> 10. Started the season 20 and 1. This is Jimmer Fredette's junior. This is Tyler House freshman year. Team was stacked. Those guys uh, JT, Noah Hartsock, Brandon Davies, uh, Jackson Emery. Wins over Arizona, of course, 49 in uh, McKeon Pavilion. Arizona State, Nebraska, San Diego State, Utah State. Whew. Climbed to number 12 in the AP poll, 32 and six, second in the Mountain West, earned a seven seed, won a game, beat Florida, of course, in OT. This was a memorable year and just a taste of what the next year would be. But will that next year be number two? No, it's 1987-1988, a magical, Beginning to the season for Cougar basketball, led by Michael chair. Smith, NBA veteran, and Jeff Chapman, Jim Yusevich, included wins over UCLA, Utah, Washington State, Utah State twice, and San Diego State. BYU climbed to as high as number three in the AP poll. And then lost to UAB that they night. There were 17 in the, uh, Oh, Alabama, Birmingham. They beat us in the Independence Bowl yeah. and in 87. BYU Gosh. ended the season 26-6, and six, won the WAC, earned a four seed in the NCAA tournament, and won one game in the bracket. I didn't think we'd have a Jim Yusevich mention today, Yusevich. there you go. Good point. And the greatest start in BYU men's uh, basketball history is, of course, Jim Fredette's 2010-11. 20-1, only loss was in Anaheim, neutral site to UCLA. 
Beat Arizona, Creighton, South Florida, San Diego State, Utah, Utah State, St. Mary's got to his highest three in the AP poll. Oh. Then the Brandon Davies news came out. Beat ah. lost that night to New Mexico. They rebounded though, did a nice job, and uh, ended up in the Sweet 16. Jimmy Fredette, of course, won all the National Players of the Year. It was awesome. Uh, including that San Diego State game. You know, he climbs in the top 10, Jim Romania. Jim Romania really puts this season over the top because a lot of those other seasons were like very similar. Yeah. But Jim Romania was. For sure. And again, this is starts to the season. This is not seasons not overall. Because the greatest year is 81, no doubt. For sure. No one is arguing that. For one. sure. It's fun. We'll see what this BYU basketball team does this season to try and make an argument to get into. If this they go top 14 5. and 0, including a Big 12 win in there. It's like, oh, you're knocking on that, the door of this list. Absolutely. Check out BYUSN.com for all the conversations we have, all the random discussions about jeans, deep blues, games, studio shows. BYUSN.com, the free BYU TV app. More of your responses on Two for Tuesday. Thank you for Two questions that. of the day. This is BYU Sports Nation. Triple threat. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. You can download the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps or listen to the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. Our question of the day, if BYU men's basketball beats Utah in Salt Lake City tomorrow and starts the season 9-0, would that fill the void of no bowl game for BYU football? Not Healing for me. Balm, ointment. Not for me. It's, it's nice, but it doesn't fill okay. that void, no. Ben Cook on Instagram says, of course, the football season is behind us. Basketball, this basketball team is legit, and it's BYU's turn to eat. Use down, baby. Hey, Vic Soto and Grace. <laughs> Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated from Steve the Wote on X says, as long as BYU beats Utah in basketball, my life purposes have been fulfilled. So, yes. Life purposes? <laughs> it's because they haven't played football in two years. It just feels bigger. And BYU it, yeah. is so good and ranked and there's it's, a ton on the line. It is a weightier game for sure. Yes. Yeah. All right, today's rise and shout-out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Last night, Trevor Nell was on the program, the Pope Show, and he brought Theo, he and Tatum's new puppy. And Theo is oh, cute. Oh, I was fully expecting Pio to, uh, Theo to urinate on said <laughs> Pope Show, but it, he did not, which was a win. But um, I'm surprised Trevin didn't bring like a puppy pad with him, for sure. Maybe Tatum had it in the crowd. Um, she did bring one of his chew toys. But uh, listen, listen. Uh, Theo's cute, dog. man. That's such a cute dog. I know. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's awesome. No uh, food or drink in there, but pets allowed. That's great television, Apparently. people. That's right awesome. there. Great Very television. Very nice. Our thanks to today's guest, Dallin Hall, who was part of great television here in Studio B as well. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. We ran out of time. You were never one of the most two efficient duos in college basketball. Ooh, was he part of the most efficient duo in college football, though? That's not what I said. <laughs> or Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to John Fish on that 94 BYU men's basketball team that won in Salt Lake City. Go Kooks! Beat the Utes!
BYU Sports Nation is on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps or listen to the podcast. And please subscribe, rate, and review while you're there. On 3 Sports uh, has tweeted that uh, Miles Davis, running back for BYU, has entered the transfer portal. So we'll see what happens. Tis the season, right? Yep. Our question of the day, how are you handling BYU men's basketball success this season? Enjoying the ride, 71%. Wait and see, 25%. Not sustainable, 4%. Those are the numbers. Brandon Palmer on Instagram. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid for as long as I can. Why, why not? That's what we do on this program. Hey, let's well, go. As long as it's blue. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That uh, intergalactic uh, Kool-Aid in Star Wars was blue, too. <laughs> Our elite uh, voice of the day is presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. Ben Larson on Facebook. The Cougs are great and fun to watch. Barring any major injuries, I definitely feel like we have a great opportunity to reach unexpected heights. That's a new podcast to try and challenge the Kelseys. Uh, I, it would be fun to see them reach the top level in Big 12 play. They can keep playing as a team. I think it will happen. Go Cougs. Yeah, the way is playing, they're going to compete better in the Big 12. What that looks like, I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see some of these teams coming into Provo. I don't think they realize what type of environment they're coming into, and I'm so excited for home games in the conference. They know it's, it's big, awesome. they know it's going to be loud, but once you get in it, it is different. Yep. Today's Rise and Shout Out is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.